McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and Box Pier Forecast episode 113. Well, last season is over and it's into the summer. It's that time and we're going to get started on the much-loved transfer episodes. Joining the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? I'm doing very well, Hugh. Thank you. Yeah, the, the summer now, really going to go in-depth on those transfers. They're, defi- they're definitely a favourite with the listeners. So yeah, I hope we can tell you all about some exciting players that Portsmouth could potentially go after. Yeah, yeah, we've got some new ones. We've got some a couple lingering from last season that we thought should be included as well. But um, joining us on the podcast is Gabe Sutton. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm actually a Birmingham fan, so a real shame that we're not playing each other uh, this season. But uh, hey-ho. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see Birmingham coming down, so uh, that was the, that was the case, I'm guessing. But um, no, it's great to have you on the show. For listeners who don't know, do you want to just uh, give a little intro of what you do? Sure. I um, cover the EFL, right, various websites, and yeah, generally just keeping on top of transfer news this summer across the EFL and, uh, and hope people get on board with it. All right, let's just get started. We've got a lot to do. So what we're going to do, just to give people the format is we're going to do a little round table. I'm going to guess Fred's got more people than me, as he usually does. So what we'll do is we'll go round and we'll just say a player, go through them, um, why we think they'll be a good signing. And then we'll, from there, we'll just, until we exhaust them, as well as talking to you guys about a couple of people you guys suggested on Twitter as well. We'll have a scroll through that and just see, have a little chat about what you think and what we think. Didn't mention this, but today we're doing defenders and goalkeepers, if you haven't seen it. We tried to do this before with all of them. It takes so long. We haven't got four hours to sit here and do every single position. So next week, we'll be moving on to midfielders and attackers. So look out for that. Right, let's get going with it. I'm going to start us off. Why not? Since I'm talking first already, I'm going to start us off with Akin Fameu, who's at Norwich, but last season was on loan at Charlton. I think he's a good centre-back for Portsmouth for the way the Cowleys want to play. He's comfortable bringing the ball out of defence and passing it as well. I think he's been a fairly solid player. Spoke to the guys I know at Norwich. They're really keen to get him back out on loan in League One. Last season, he did get an injury, which unfortunately sort of scuppled his season a little bit at Charlton. But I think he'd be a really good young player to bring in. 22 years old, lots of potential. And I think he'd be a player that Danny Cowley could really mould to play into his system. Yeah, I mean, he's a very good ball-playing defender and I feel maybe since Matt Clark left, that's probably an area where 
Portsmouth has struggled. I suppose he brought in uh, Nicolaisen, who's probably had some issues with uh, mobility. But I rate Tomeiro. I think when he hasn't been playing for Charleston, they've probably missed his ability, as you say, to bring the ball last defence at times, to play some good passes. And let's not forget that kind of an increasing uh, demand on centre-backs in the modern game that they've got to be able to, to play out well. And I think Tomeiro can do that. Yeah, centre-back is definitely the most important position for me. Ports have had to sort out in the summer for years now. Going back to Paul Cook's League Two side, we've relied heavily on ball-playing centre-halves, not only for the defensive stability, but also ports of driving play, which has been a problem in in certain times under Kenny Jacket. But, but when Ports have played their best, they've relied on those centre-halves heavily. So any 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 defender who who's comfortable on the ball and has a range of passing... That's definitely what Pompey need going into the summer. Yeah, for sure. And you can see sometimes with Pompey, the, the play sort of breaks down at the back when the ball is being rolled out or, you know, and the defenders are splitting to try and pass the ball out rather than to go long as they were under Kenny Jacket. You can see players like Sean Raggett looking a bit uncomfortable when the ball's played in these positions or even the movement off the ball looking uncomfortable to make the runs into the right position. So yeah, a mo- more mobile defender. So I've kicked us off there. Right. Gabe, let's go to you since you're the guest. In terms of uh, defenders, it's going to be interesting to see who Danny Cowley recruits because obviously there's been suggestions of uh, maybe some budget cuts. So it'll be really interesting. And I think they've got to try and get the, uh, the recruitment right. I'm a big fan of Connor Ogilvy at uh, Gillingham, who's obviously out of contract there. Um, I think when I saw him a couple of years ago at the beginning of last season, he looked like quite an, an intelligent defender, someone that would probably sort of pick his battles a little bit rather than sort of attack everything. But I think more recently, working under Steve Evans, he's kind of learned the aggressive sort of physical side of the game and, and improved in that department. He's a left-sided centre-back, which, again, I think is a bit of a, um, a value commodity in the modern game. Decent on the ball, I would say, and he can also fill it in uh, left-back. I really like Conor Ogilvy. He's uh, mm. one of the standout players who I looked at. Um, one of the things for me that points out for me, I, I look at the stats in almost anorak detail, as most of you know, his offensive dual win percentage being 693 is incredibly high. When he's on the ball, he's very difficult to shake off, which is something that Portsmouth defenders have to be really good at because we, we've seen it in key games, especially when Blackpool have played Portsmouth. The press, the high press and the aggression has definitely created a lot of issues for Portsmouth defenders in the past. So having that high level win percentage on offensive duels where, where the defender's moving the ball forward a bit is definitely something to look out for. And he's defensively solid I put I had him in my left back slot so Gabe why do you think he would fit in better at centre half in your opinion or on the left side of a three if Cowley plays that way I, I think he, I'm, I'm not sure if he's played left side of a three I certainly think that that would fit his skill set and um, I believe he's finished the season at left back for Gillingham I would um, hazard a guess that he's probably a little bit more on the conservative side as a left back and um, listen, I know that Dan Cowley had a reputation for being quite pragmatic, maybe when he was at Lincoln initially, and they were quite a direct side and fullbacks didn't get forward too much because they had um, fullbacks like sort of a Neil Erdley type and Sam Habigan, I think. And then I think towards the end, Dan Cowley brought in Harry Toffler, who's now went bit doing very well at Huddersfield, who's much more of an attacking player. I've got a feeling that given... 
you know, Portsmouth are likely to be the more prominent side in, in more games next season. I would imagine that Danny Cowley will want an attacking left-back as opposed to Gillingham, where Steve Evans does like that compact setup. So, for me, I would have him either as a left-sided centre-back in three or a left-sided centre-back four. Imagine combining the two players there in the sense about what you spoke about. I'd be quite excited if he did play a back two like that. Um, let's fire on to Fred. Fred, who's your who's your uh, who's your first selection? Uh, at centre half, I'm, I'm going to go with a bit of uh, pedigree to start with. I saw this on Twitter after I sorted out my my list over the past few days, and I completely forgot about him, and I didn't think he'd be available. But Charlie Good from Brentford. Mm. Um, since Brentford are in there, he hasn't played that much. He's played 15 matches this season for Brentford in all competitions. Hasn't broken to the side as many people thought he would have done, given the high-profile transfer. He's still contracted at Brentford until 2024. So I'm looking at him. I could see him being an excellent loan option for Portsmouth, especially if uh, Brentford get promoted. Um, very defensively solid, in my opinion. 69.23 on the aerial duels win percentage with 7.47 per 90 is very good, in my opinion, compared to the other defenders on the list. He's very, he's very aerially dominant, so we've we've relied on aerial dominance from Sean Raggett this season. If if Good can come in and is more comfortable on the ball, but it could also eat up those crosses, I think Portsmouth could do far worse than bringing him on loan. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think he's um, quite a no-nonsense centre-back. We saw that at Northampton uh, when he was quite a key part of their promotion-winning League 2 side. I mean, I think at the start of his career, he he was actually in non-league with Hendon, who I think was seventh tier, and then he jumped up four divisions to Scunthorpe, which was a bit too much too soon, you'd probably say. But then I think since dropping down to Northampton, did quite well there. But again, Brentford again was probably a bit of a jump. So he's a he's a defender that's kind of on two occasions he's had jumps that are probably too big for him. But then the previous time when he's gone down a division, he's actually done very well. And I think that maybe, you know, that might be a trend for Portsmouth to, to sort of look out for. I think he's reasonable on the ball. I wouldn't say that that's one of his main strengths, but I know that when Danny Cowley was at Lincoln, he's generally had a centre-back that had really dominated in there, like Michael Boswick. I don't know if either of you have seen him play. Um, at Huddersfield, I think Cowley might have wanted a more aerially dominant centre-back. You quite have that there. But um, I certainly think that Good would, would give him that aerial presence. Uh, some of his passing stats are quite interesting. I look at progressive passes for centre-half, so that that prominence of bringing, bringing the ball forward very quickly. Um, from memory, Jack Watmore averaged about 14 progressive passes per 90 with a fairly decent accuracy. So that gives listeners a bit of an idea about what a progressive, but what progressive passes are. And this season, good, yes, 15 games, smaller sample size than some of the other centre-halves we're looking at. But, seven, but 7.7 progressive passes per 90 with a 77.66 accuracy isn't bad for a player who's supposedly not entirely focused on playing the ball out. So he seems like he could be that um, that right balance that uh, Danny Cowley would be looking for in a centre-half. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice. All right, um, I'll fire on to the next one. St- sticking with the centre-back thing for now, I've gone with Jerome Apoku, who's with Plymouth, 22 years old, player that I really liked. Um, I'll talk about the eye test first against us, really dominated Marquis at the back there. You know, he's aggressive, he's quick as well on the ball. I think he's a player that's only going to get better as time goes on. Um, he can play in a back two, a back three. 
some of his stats were a little bit interesting having a look at him. His defensive draws were 90, um, 7.93. He, he's a player that I've just thought would be a really quality player at this level and someone that I'm, I'm a big fan of just watching him play. So he's obviously played in that Plymouth system as well, which is really quite a passing system. So he's not going to come into the into the Cowley system as a defender who's not used to playing the ball out from the back. So for me, um, Jerome Apoku. I think what I would say about Apoku is I would want him, if you are playing as a centre-back, I would want him on the left of a back three and preferably with a couple of more experienced players next to him in that back three. I think when he got his first senior loan move, which was at Stanley in 1920 campaign, I think it was, he was actually quite a good attacking left back, I thought. And uh, I spoke to a Stanley fan then, and, and Rob Russell said um, he fancied a Pope more as a centre back. But then playing for Argyle, you look at you know some of the defensive issues that maybe Argyle have had that conceded a lot of goals, even with their goalkeeper actually playing quite well. And I think they've missed a bit of experience. So I think as an overlapping left sided centre back, quite athletic, and um, I would say you can do a good job, but I would want some experience alongside him. I, I have seen Apoku play before. I was at Portsmouth's game against Accrington Stanley where they lost 4-1 when Ant- Anton Walks was turnstile twice for, for the fans who remember that game. And Apoku was excellent left-back. I, I saw him immediately. You know, when you when you watch your game, you're not fully familiar with the opposition players and you notice that one player on the opposition in the first like two minutes, you just watch him the entire game. That's what I saw in Apoku. Very athletic again, has that balance, which um, Portsmouth's defence haven't had in certain scenarios. He'll be used to shorter passing in profile goal system, whereas Danny Cowley might look to bit, for a bit more progressive passing, slightly a slightly bigger range of passing. But I wouldn't complain about Apoku coming to Portsmouth on a free because really I'm looking at the centre-halves that Portsmouth need and I think we need at least three centre-halves. I'm not sure what Gabe thinks about that being uh, from a neutral point of view. Yeah, well, I think the big issue is that um, although Jack Watmore is obviously a very talented centre-back, uh, he's had massive issues staying fit. So I think that's probably what it would hinge on. And I'm not sure, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if he's under contract, I believe he is, you know, Dali Cowley would have a plan for him to be part of the squad next season, but probably wouldn't want to be relying on him to stay fit. So I do think he'll want Bombay to be. Yeah, the, the word come out of the club is um, negotiations, but unlikely for him to extend because I assume a championship team would want him. That's not based on any knowledge I have, but I'm sure I, I can't see a championship side not looking at him and taking a punt on him, in my opinion, especially for on a free. Yeah, there's talk about Luton and a few other players, uh, people sniffing around him in, in the local local press. Um, Danny Cowley wants to keep hold of him. He's the one player out of the the contract players that he said he wanted to keep hold of the most. And you can understand why with his tool set. But as as Gabe's touched on already, and people listening to the podcast know what I think about that, it's pretty difficult to to build your centre-back partnership around Jack Jack Watmore because he's almost a little bit of a luxury player because he doesn't necessarily have a whole season in him. Um, You know, he's had three injuries, believe, on the same knee. I think that... For a championship club, he wants him as a squad player, potentially, to come in and play when someone's not there. He's he's a very talented player, but at the same time, for a League One team to build their, their future around him at centre-back could be quite difficult. All right, let's go on. Gabe, it's you. Sure. Um, well, it's going to be really interesting to see 
Uh, who else um, Pompey look at in terms of options at centre back? I suppose looking at in terms of the midfield. Um, Interesting if uh, if Dan Crowley signed for Portsmouth, you've got that Danny Crowley and Dan Crowley, a bit of a, a tongue twister there, I suppose. Um, so, that, yeah, there's been a few players uh, released by Pompey. It's going to be interesting to see yeah, what sort of players kind of come in there. So, yeah, I, th- I think probably going to be looking at a centre-back and, and I'd imagine a goalkeeper as well, because uh, obviously McGillivray is going to be off. So I think getting a goalkeeper is going to be key. Uh, spoilers on Crowley he is on my list for midfielders in the next episode so I'll bring you more detail on him later absolutely there's going to be had to be replacements at pretty much nearly every part of the um, of the port of Portsmouth formation of the entire squad this is the biggest rebuild that's happened for, for Pompey since arguably Paul Cook's first season in League 2 okay but what is your opinion on that quickly before I go on some more centre-halves from an outsider's point of view, what do you think think of Portsmouth basically tearing it down and starting again? Partially due to the wages, but obviously partially due to uh, the, the playoff campaigns in recent seasons. It's a difficult one because I think that, quite rightly, Portsmouth have got a fantastic history and a really passionate fan base. And I think because of that, it's right that there's a certain amount of um, expectation on Portsmouth to get promoted, um, came up in 2017, had four seasons at this level now, and you, you might say that that's maybe too many to, to, to need to get out of the division. On the flip side of that, I think that it's worth acknowledging that this team hasn't been too far away and that maybe what was required more in terms of, from a short-term perspective, is to keep the solidity that we've seen under Kenny Backett and maybe make some more adventurous tweets under Danny Cowley. I don't think Danny Cowley is ready to uh, a direct system in the same way that Kenny Jacket was. But at the same time, I do think that he's um, he's not going to um, change things too much stylistically. He's quite pragmatic and work with what he has. And uh, I'd just be worried that maybe... And maybe there is some merit in going for younger players and really rejuvenating this squad. I'm not sure I would have done that to the volume that Portsmouth have done. I would have kind of gone for evolution rather than revolution. Yeah, I, I can see that from an outside perspective because to a certain extent, some of the talent Portsmouth have who are going on a free in the grand scheme of the league is very good. I wouldn't have let Tom Naylor go, I don't no, I, I, I think that might be financial again because that seems to be the main driver at this point. But speaking of young young players who Danny Kelly might want to go after at centre half, I like Jacob Bordeaux. Bordeaux um, mm. has played for played for Scunthorpe last season in League Two on loan at Villa, I believe. If you want to um, check me on possibly, that. I know that when he was at Perry, he got signed by Villa for a young age. I don't know if he's on loan from there or whether he ended up going. Yeah, yeah, definitely a young player, 20, 21 years old, very good again at defensive duels and dealing with um, balls going into the box, 74.8% on the defensive duels with seven per 90, very good, especially at League Two. There is a worry looking at certain League Two players, oh, can they make the step up, especially playing for a bigger side at Pompey? But really, a player like Bordeaux with his, um, his inherent talent defensively, he can he can learn the passing game while being maybe the third or fourth centre half if um, if Cowley brings in any more defenders. I, I I could see him being that. And on a free, 
I don't. Uh, there's definitely value there, in my opinion. Potentially, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's um, had a little bit of an issue over the last couple of years with uh, with injuries, but certainly at 21, he's a long way off his peak. So you could be looking at a long-term investment there. What I would be saying is that, uh, you know, I follow a couple of Scunthorpe fans on Twitter and I wouldn't, it doesn't feel as though his name has necessarily propped up regularly this season when he played as one of the the better players and um, so I think you would be looking at a long-term investment maybe someone who could be as that left-sided centre option rather than someone that you'd back to come in straight away and, and be the next Matt Clark immediately Yeah there's definitely got to be a balance there uh, bringing in solid depth centre-halves but also centre-halves who are good enough and promotion calibre because for me the centre-halves at Portsmouth at the moment are Looking at last season, I don't rate many of them. I'm not sure what you guys think, but I feel like they've had their time. We're losing our best centre-half in what more is ball-playing ability. I think if Ports have re- overhauled the defence next season, then they'll be in a much better situation than not doing that. I would say, as I do think that Sean Rackett could be pretty good in the middle of a back three, because I don't think he's good when he sort of forced that into wide areas, because he's probably not got the, the turn of pace. I'm sure you've alluded to a few times, Freddie. But um, sometimes defenders, when they're a bit out of form and you think they're maybe not really fancying them, but if they're really good, at, if you know they're really good in the air, then sometimes just putting them in the middle of a back three with mobile ball playing defenders either side of them they can sort of be transformed. So I wouldn't rule like that possibility. Raggett is, is, is such a Marmite character at Portsmouth because he's one of those players that you can, it's clear to see that, you know, he's good in the air offensively and defensively. He can be good at covering and he has his games where you think, oh, this guy's really solid, you know, leads the team, etc., scores goals. But he's incredibly frustrating to watch as a fan as well. His ability to to turn is awful when he's got a quick player. He'll need those other two players to be covering him on that sense. On the ball, often fumbles it, not great at playing it out. And he is he generally starts the campaign pretty badly. He has over the last two seasons started pretty badly. It levels out and we get to sort of November. He looks good again and the criticism of him from us all dies down and we think he's sorted it out. And then it tends to sort of do that again towards the, the end of the season and his performances. And he also makes some really bad errors, Gabe, you know, giving away penalties, taking players down, rash challenges. So, if Danny Cowley, because he knows him obviously from playing before at Lincoln, and if he thinks he can sort of coach him into being that role that you're saying in, in a back three, then I'm definitely open to it. But in a back four, I'm I'm a little bit a little bit worried about Raggett being the starting pair. But you know, always a good player to have. I tell you what, though, if you had say Jack Watmore is the right side of centre back, Sean Raggett in the middle, and maybe Jerome Pocky is the left side of centre back, overlapping a left wing back. I think that's a decent back three there. I really do. Yeah, I've, I've, I think we need someone else as well. That's my. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what more's off? I reckon. I, I mean, I would be, I would be very happy with signs in that sense. But for the money, for what we're hearing, it, it seems, it seems a little bit unlikely. Freddie, do you have any more centre backs to go to? Because I've got some some left and right backs. But are there any more centre backs you want to discuss? We move on. Uh, I have loads, but I will keep it brief. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. Um... Best bits, please, mate. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, one defender who I wanted to talk about, 
another young defender on a free, Rashad Williams from Shrewsbury. Now, I know some people are going to get slightly triggered saying, oh, we're getting another defender from Shrewsbury. Is is he actually going to be good? Is it just the style of play that makes their defenders seem better than they actually are? But really, when I look at him, range of passing is okay. 8.93 progressive passes per 90. Fairly reasonable, 66% on the accuracy. Not bad, but not as highly rated as some of the other centre-halves that are around there. But again, his, his defensive duels are fairly high. And on a free, Portsmouth need depth at centre-half, in my opinion. I still think there's going to be a lot of shuffling in the back four. So I'm not sure what Gabe thinks about Rochelle Williams, whether he rates him or if it's just a player looking slightly better due to the system he's playing in. Well, well what I would say, I think, I think Rochelle Williams has potential as a defender. But I do think he, he needs a season in League Two. So at the back, he joined Shrewsbury for the back end of the 1819 campaign and got rave reviews for his performances as a ball player and for his basic defending. And I think the vibe from Shrewsbury fans is that although over the last couple of seasons he's remained good as a basic of defending, he's been liable to errors because he's tried to play the ball out. It hasn't worked for him and then it's kind of turned into a vicious cycle where he still feels like he needs to try and play the ball out, but it's led to errors. Um, I think that playing in front of an expectant fracking dark crowd could be quite dangerous for him at this stage of his career. So I think he needs a low-key move to lead to build up his confidence. And I think that maybe after that, he could potentially push on to League One Championship sort of level. But I don't think he's someone that Portsmouth need right now. Yeah, because that's the big thing. Because since Ports are financially going to have to look for hidden gems in terms of freebies from other League One, League Two sides, players um, tossed aside by championship clubs not being good enough, but they have to have that mentality to play at Fratton Parks. That's a big, big thing, which some of the fans have thrown at certain players who arguably have played better at smaller sides. But when they come to Fratton Park, the pressure is there in a completely different way. One, one centre-half who I really rate on a free again, this time from north of the border in Scotland, Tommy Hoban from Aberdeen. I really, really like him. Another centre-half who's towering dominance in the air, which I do think Portsmouth need as lots of their oppositional focus on crossing. Uh, his 72% aerial dual win percentage, very good with 7.31 aerials per 90. Excellent. And one of the highest in comparison to some of the centre-halves I have on my list, had a big injury last season. I believe it was a cruciate, kept him out for the most of the season, but he's played 44 times this season, starting regularly. And if if Portsmouth want to go for a centre-half in his prime, defensively, defensively sound, not completely bad at playing the ball out from the back either, I think Toby Hoban is a good shout. Also, like flag up, there's a lad called Reese Hutchinson who was apparently supposed to be a really highly rated left back at Burton Albion. Now, I don't know why uh, he's left, and I could understand if Pompey fans think that you know if he's left Burton on a free, then he's not someone that we should be aspiring to. But he's still only nineteen twenty. He could have quite a lot of potential, and might just be worth it as potentially a high value. One, if you're looking to a more sustainable approach, it could be that he's left Burton uh, by choice and looking for a better offer. I'm not 100% sure on the specifics of that one, but I do know he was highly rated. I did have one more, actually. I forgot. It's on my... This has been a little bit pie in the sky. 
I spoke to uh, my pals over at the um, Along Come Nodge uh, Norwich uh, podcast, and we were having a little chat about um, potential defenders that could come our way. And we, I spoke about Fameu, and we were having a little chat. Um, and I said about who else could we get in theory? And he said, this is a bit of a long shot, um, but I feel like he does need regular team football, whether that's going to be in the championship or whether it's going to be in League One. Um, Andrew Omobamadele. If I pronounced that correctly. Yes, yes, he's a young defender. He got yeah. some game time at the back end of the season. He was, yeah. And he was told that they were trying to give him some game time at the end of the season. 18 years old, he got eight appearances, starting one off the bench. Um, they're not sure what he's going to do in the squad yet. With, with their promotion to the Premier League, it's one of those things that is he ready to really step into that level? And maybe not. But it's one of those things that I think he'd be a right coup. He's a talented player. He can play the ball out. He's also very good at blocking shots as well, defensively responsible. Um, and I've heard mature above his age. So I'm just putting that out there because maybe it's a bit unlikely, but if it is one that Danny Cowley gets, I'll be pretty happy if we bring him in. Hmm. Also, there's a lad called Jack Hunt, who's 30 years old. He's been released by Bristol City. I've quite liked him as a right back in the championship. Um, not necessarily so much over the last year or so. I think he's quite driven right back. So even if he's not got much natural pace, he's got that kind of desire in him that kind of carries him forward. Um, so th- that's something to look out for if you want a right back that's really going to try and uh, push forward and, and get get in there and put some crosses in and be strong in the tackle and things like that. I think with Pompey at the moment, right back is one of the only positions I feel fairly comfortable. We've got Callum Johnson at right back who of course, yeah. came from Accrington, probably one of the most underrated signings, I think for us at 200 odd K. Uh, and then you've got Haji Minoga who, who sort of understudy to, to Callum Johnson. I think the only way you bring a right back in is if Danny Cowley looks at it, it doesn't, I mean, he could use James Bolton as cover as, as well, maybe. If he sends Haji Minogue out on loan, he mentioned he thinks he should really try and get 35 games this next season under his belt to, for his development. Now, that might be a struggle with Callum Johnson ahead of him at Portsmouth. So you maybe you see you see Minogue go out on loan, which opens a spot up at right back. If he doesn't, if we can move on potentially from James Bolton, he's got one more year left on his contract. But I think when we're bringing in a right back, it's not going to be a young sort of maybe star player in that sense or someone, because I think Pompey will try and add value more on the left-hand side um, mm. to provide competition for Lee Brown. That makes sense. Yeah, cool. Fred, was it you? I believe so. I've got loads of Southern House left, but I will literally just give, give the fans a little snapshot of what they're like instead of going into the detail. And Gabe could chime in if any of these Southern House catches eye. Oh. Pierre Sweeney from Exeter... Excellent passing numbers. Again, I've mentioned yeah. progressive passes multiple times. Four, Good on the overlap crossing as well. Yeah. Exactly. 14.54 progressive passes per 90 with a 77% accuracy on those passes. Very good. I was wondering what your opinion was on him because you see this sometimes with League Two players, but Ports of will have to rely on that market more now due to financial constraints. So do you think he can make the step up to League One and potentially play regularly for Portsmouth? Possibly. I'm not quite sure um, how old Pierre Sweeney is, uh, so that would affect... Uh, 26. Is, 26, okay. It's not like he's young and he's got loads of time to kind of uh, develop. He's not old either. Um, but yeah, I think he's someone who can... He's quite good as a right-sided centre-back in a three, can kind of overlap the right wing-back and put some good crosses in. So, um, and he's good at defending as well, for extra. So, um, yeah, sort of six, seven out of ten, t- signing that. 
And again, like most of these signings, on a free since his contract expires. I think Exeter, mm-hmm. he's probably the sort of player who Exeter probably wants to negotiate his contract with. But if a League One side comes in, offer, offers him a bit more wages, I think he'll make that move. Some other centre-halves who I like, Liam Kitching, who played for Forest Green Rovers, signed for Barnsley. He'll be looking for a loan move, if it, even if Barnsley stay in the Championship, in my opinion, looked promising enough as a centre-half. Sam Hughes, yeah. who I think played for Burton Albion, who's at Leicester City. I've seen him play a few times. Again, very defensively sound and not bad on the passing either. Um, another one, Clark Robertson uh, being released by Rotherham. Again, it's another sort of market that Portsmouth might look to go after, but uh, looking after released players from championship clubs. Yeah, I, th- I think he, he, the wrong he probably would have paid more for Rotherham over the last couple of years were it not for injuries. He's a left-footed centre-back as well, which always sort of adds balance. Uh, I think he can fill in at left back, which he did at times in the regular season, but would be probably a more conservative option there. I think he's seasons up primarily as a centre back. The last two players I have, they're both north of the border. Both of them play for Livingston, who is a small team that finished sixth in the SPL, so they play, which is great for them playing the likes of Celtic and Rangers very often. John Guffrey, even though he's Still has a year left. He he uh, said he's he at Warsaw, be, wasn't he? he yes, he was at Warsaw. Yeah, um, he said um, he put himself on the transfer list for family reasons. He's from Wiltshire, so if that's where his family's still based, Portsmouth isn't quite isn't far away. Um, again, that's that at PC Vale, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. defensively sound, also fairly decent on the passing as well. The range of passing is there, and again at Livingston, another younger centre half, twenty three years old, Jack Fitzwater, who. Again, negotiating with a club, but being English, if Portsmouth offer him a deal, he might want to. Yeah, I think actually Fitzwater actually played alongside Guthrie um, in League One a couple of seasons ago. And Guthrie was very much a no-nonsense defender and Fitzwater was more of a ball playing. I think they had him on live. All right, so let's let's switch switch and focus onto the sort of left-right back role. Um, I'll start us off again. I'm going to go with Ibu Toure at Salford. He's a player that when I spoke to the guys at Salford City who we had on the podcast said that they were a little bit concerned actually about his his output this season not being maybe as good as they expected. But I think he's a good player for us to get forward dribbles, runs at defenders, fairly decent defend uh, defense defensively, uh, crosses per 93.22 at 32%, uh, dribbles per 93.76 at 62% success as well. He's a player I think could fit well into this system. I think it'd be quite nice to see him step up. He's a player that obviously has been talked about before. I'd like to see him in League One. Um, I'd like to see him in a blue shirt. Ibu Torre, I think, yeah. as an attacking left-back, um, yeah. would bring quite a lot of pace and power getting forward. Um, he's actually come a long way with Sanford. He was certainly part of the uh, National League North battle winning side in 2018. So he's one who's come up to divisions. And I think after a couple of seasons in League Two, he's probably earned his shot in League One. And um, I think as well, like his career history means he'll probably appreciate um, every chance he gets playing in the EFL and certainly playing for a club like Portsmouth. So um, I think that would be an advantage as well. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he's someone who could hold the width and get forward. And, uh, and I think he'd bring a lot. Yeah. 
if you had Toure on one side and Johnson on the other side, Ooh, and I think that we need exciting. that that going forward, that fullbacks, and we spoke about that at the start of, of last season. Remember when we were doing our previews and mm. okay, we spoke about that, the pumpy really need those fullbacks going forward, whether it's a, a back three or four, two, two players who can get forward and support the wingers or whoever's on that side. So yeah, Ibu Toure. Absolutely. Fire to you, mate. Yeah, I've gone to League Two as well. Um, there seems to be a lot of talent in League Two that that is there. And we've seen with teams like Blackpool, they picked the best of the bunch from League Two uh, earlier in the summer and have gone on to do amazing things. I'm looking at James Brophy from Leighton Orient. Uh, the thing that uh, that pointed me out to him immediately, 8.41 expected assists with 66 from fullback. Excellent play going forward, obviously. Um, slight concerns defensively, but since Portsmouth have Lee Brown already, and if he stays, we already have a solid defensive fullback already who can also go forward. But adding another dynamic in James Brophy could be an option for Portsmouth next season. And just to jump in on that, if he's not defensively as responsible as you say, Jacket might want to get rid of him anyway. If not resign him. Oh, precisely, yeah. But he said he wanted to play uh, intense attacking football, apparently, which um, you can make up your own mind over. Yeah, we'll wait and see if that happens. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good shout. What do you reckon, Gabe? Yeah, I could certainly see the shout for that. Um, I definitely agree with uh, with Ibu Torre. I'd also flag at Flag up uh, Connor Wood at Bradford. He had a really good 1920 campaign for them. Um, you can put some crosses in from deep. Brophy actually is an interesting one because he's someone who um, there's kind of a, a debate as to what his best position is because uh, he loves to drive forward with the ball quite quick, uh, very good at dribbling. And uh, sometimes there's an argument having him left back or left wing back where there tends to be more space ahead of him for him to run into. But sometimes he's been used in a more advanced role. I saw him in the 4-0 win over Bolton last season, where he's used on the left of front three and provides a counter-attacking that way. Um, the other player I'd flag up is Nicky Cadden, who's 24. So I do think he would interest um, champion but he's got lots of quality and if he is within Portsmouth's price range I wouldn't hesitate to look at him There you go we've got a lot of players to get your teeth into there people um, Fred have you got one to give us? I do and it's a left back I mentioned if you read in Poppy News now when I was looking for left back options either on loan before Charlie Daniel signed, he was on that article, uh, I Like Matt Penny from Sheffield Wednesday, now released, so he's on a free. I really liked his crossing ability. He could also, to, in a pinch, play on the wing, so you've got extra mm. depth there. He's versatile, he, I think. Exactly, yeah. He makes enough defensive duels, 7.31, so he's so he's not afraid in the challenge. He's also experienced at different, at different parts. He was on loan at St. Pauli, so having a player who has that determination to test himself and think, you know, what, I'm going to go abroad on loan. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to, that says a lot about the mentality, which some fans question certain ports of players had over recent seasons. But yeah, Matt Penny, uh, I particularly like him. I'm not sure what you think, Gabe, or if you've seen him enough. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he had actually some championship experience with Sheffield Wednesday because there was a run of, uh, there was a period when they had a manager called uh, Jocelyn Hukai in charge and he was quite 
big on learning some of the young players. So he had quite a few games, I think, in various different positions out wide. Um, so as far as I'm aware, I've not followed his work uh, abroad. He might have been at uh, St Paulie's, was it? Um, I'm not sure how he's got on abroad, but I do know that maybe the last couple of years haven't quite gone exactly as um uh, have loan spell at Mansfield, I think. Um, but he would be a long-term investment. He's still, I'd imagine, early 20s at the moment. So uh, you'd be getting him in as, as a squad player with the hope of developing him and hopefully getting back towards more of a championship format. Yeah, 23 years of age, played a fair, a fair few games with championship experience. Definitely a depth signing of Ports of him. Another potential depth signing from Carlisle United. He is under contract, but I think if Ports of want to... Um, Invest heavily in a young player with a high ceiling. Jack Armour from Carlisle mm. can play both can play both sides, left and right back. Very high defensive duels with nearly sixty nine percent win rate from seven point seven per ninety, which for a fullback is very good. He has three three point two five expected assists, so he, so it seems like he gets the ball forward, creates yeah. chances from crossing. Only got one assist from that expected ratio, but. You could look at it in both ways. You could look at it being wasteful or you could look at it saying, oh, he's getting into those opportunities and creating them. They're just not being converted as he would have liked. But yeah, I particularly like him. He also has a high amount of deep completed crosses per 90 with 1.38. That Basically, that's crosses from the byline right up to the penalty area in the final third. Yeah, so I think what I'd add to that as well forward. is... Yeah, he's been credited at Carlisle for kind of doing things quite quickly in the opposing half. So it's difficult for opposing teams to kind of keep their tabs on him. And he's quite exciting player as well. Um, I think he was in, in non-league, maybe at Lancaster at one point, or certainly in the lower reaches of non-league. Um, maybe, I think, briefly in the youth system there. Um, it's kind of difficult for any North End player to really get into their side because they've not got an piece of the second stone. So I think Portsmouth would certainly give him an opportunity with the, the death you've got um, at left back. It seems to have been, I mean, you've, you've had um, Lee Brown there before, who's quite conservative. You've probably not had a really good left back since end of Stevens went to Sheffield United. Um, and I think, yeah, he's quite an exciting player, a long-term investment again. So, um, And also the other thing is Carlisle, he got um, signed down to a two-year deal, but They've had issues sort of with keeping players happy due to the setup at the club and in terms of their contract handling. So I do think that you might be able to negotiate well on that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I mentioned him, even though he's not a freebie. But Portsmouth, uh, Danny Cowley mentioned in an interview that they'll have a competitive budget. So if they want to sign maybe one or two players for a smaller amount of money, I think you invest in you invest in youth with a high ceiling and armor is definitely one of them. Um, another left back on completely the opposite scale, 26, but played for a St. Johnson side that won the cup double. Scott Tanser, I, I really like him. Very good in the dribble. Uh, sometimes, sometimes Lee Brown's dribbling can be a bit suspect. So having a left back who could, who could dribble very, dribble very effectively, especially if we have an inside forward at left wing again, to attack the space and create those chances quickly. That's also very good. And the main thing that pointed out to me was deep completed crosses per 90 at 1.77, the highest for a left back on my list, higher than Ibu Torre, who is obviously, again, very attack-minded focus. And he seems to be a serial winner 
on a free. I think they're in negotiations with him, but he hasn't nailed it down. So again, a left back in his prime with a strong mentality and silverware behind him. It's, he seems to hit all the boxes. Yeah. I think he was at Rockshell earlier in his career. Yeah. yeah. Pompey got a bit of procurement background there as well. Um, I'll kick it on. I told you I was cheating a little bit. So I'm going to throw in my little slightly cheating one here. And it will really only work, I suppose, more if Pompey play in the back three with a wing back system. Uh, but speaking to the guys in Oakborough, Hayden Coulson, um, a player that I think is very good. He's fallen out of favour a little bit under Warner. Woodgate played him quite a lot, liked him. He gets forward. He's really a left wing back, left midfielder, really, rather yeah. than a le- rather than a left back. But he can play in that position. Obviously, then you've got his dribbles, 7.35 there, 90. So he likes to get the ball and really run at players. So if you really wanted to play an attacking player in that position, he could be an option. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's probably been, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the issues that, that have maybe held him back a little bit because he's not great defensively. And I generally think he's someone that is going to hug the touchline a lot. So I'm not sure I'd necessarily fancy him as a kind of inside forward that, that Freddie mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So I think position for him would be as a left wing back, really, someone that's going to hug the touchline line and get forward a lot and you'd have to have insurance with uh, someone behind him with a lot of base in the recovery to be able to give yourself that um i think he's got potential but you need the right set yeah yeah cool so um and then going off from that someone who's a bit younger looked at jack sparks at exeter um mm. dribbles look pretty good at 90 but five uh 50 completion hmm, okay um he's only 20 years old he's supposed to be according to the guys extra fairly defensively responsible there as well maybe a bit more conservative option but at 20 years old you know a young left back to bring in his competition i don't think that's a bad shout six well, assist, what i like this to the high expected sure. assist ratio as well with nearly eight so he's definitely contributed going forward as well yeah, definitely. And the other thing about Jack Sparks is he, um, I think he got his first appearance for Exeter when he was 16. And uh, if he wasn't the club's youngest ever player, he was certainly sort of close to that. So I think that shows he was very highly rated as a youngster. Then he, I think after that, suffered quite a long-term injury that maybe held him back a little bit. But interestingly, he was an attacking midfielder at the start of his career. So he's actually done quite well to then become a defensively responsible left-back, having had that sort of development as an attacking midfielder originally. So I think he's someone who would be good at all sides of the game. And he's um, also got lots of long-term potential, but he's also fairly experienced and proven to an extent in the EFL as well. So uh, I wouldn't mind that signing. Nice one. I'm running down on my list here now, Freddie. So I'm going to fire to you and say, do you want to quick fire the ones that you've got? And we'll move on to the uh, to the ones that people have sent in for the listeners. Yeah, sure. We, we have goalkeepers to cover. I've got a few, but I do have some options at right back, who are, which I'll quickly go over. Presuming that Callum Johnson will be first choice right back. Um, if you didn't want that, Callum, McLaughlin, uh, Callum McLaughlin's on a free, who I really like. But I'm presuming that Johnson will be first choice at right back. So we'll be going for a player just behind him. One player who I'd seen before and wasn't bad, even though he's had two teams in League One this season, Janoi Danassian. If you remember, he, he played in Ports' first game against Ipswich in the League Cup. And he was probably the only Ipswich defender that wasn't bad that game. So that's definitely something. Very aggressive in the dribble, which is his main 
main selling point. Uh, another one with another player with championship experience again released. Uh, Wiggins Tendai Tendai Dariqua played under Paul Cook at Chesterfield. Uh, I personally like him again. Very aggressive in the dribble. His duels defensively aren't bad either. He's a bit older now, 29, going into 30, so his pace might drop off a tiny bit, which is a worry. But as a depth signing, he might look to go to a team like Portsmouth with a bit more stability. And playing for a Wigan side, I didn't think he was bad at all, even though he didn't get picked up earlier in the summer. And in terms of other fullbacks, again, more of them replacements for Johnson, which I don't like. But I will mention one player who I've, this is the second time I've mentioned him, Nicky Devlin from Livingston. Again, he'll be on a free. As far as I know, he's in negotiations with them. Complete all round, right back at 27 years old. 4.38 expected assists and two assists is very good. High, reasonable stats in defensive duels, win 65% of them and make seven of them per 90. Again, defensively solid with an ability to go forward as well and from a team that was fairly successful this season. So yeah, right backs probably one of the, f- the the few one of the few positions where Pompey don't have to look into much. And the main thing well, if I can um, just jump in there Freddie, I I feel like unless Callum Johnson leaves, I'm not sure I would look at that position because I don't think any of the players you've mentioned are going to be too much better than Hadi Monoga right now. And Monoga is potentially another long-term asset to Portsmouth as a selling option. So I think it'd be better to save money on the wage bill and invest what the little resources that you will have if there's going to be budget cap. Yeah, it would would entirely depend on if Cowley wants to loan out Hadji for first-team football. Because obviously... If he's right back understudy behind Callum Johnson, he'll only get that long stretch of games if he gets injured, presumably, even, even with a tight football league season. So it would, it would entirely depend on where Cowley wants to uh, put his finances. But then I suppose Callum Johnson's main strength is that energy and that directness of running. And I suppose if you bombarded him with all 46 games, then that would potentially take something out of what he offers best whereas I think there could be a few games where it's probably worth blooding Minogue you could give him games in the cup um, I, 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 generally speaking I like to build squads with players who are either right at the level that you want to get to the level that you're aiming for or you have players with a long term potential to get to that level and I feel that bringing in players just to fill a gap I don't think is a sustainable way of building a squad yeah, we don't, I don't think right back. And as you say, you've got Bolton there. If you need someone as a fill-in squad player, he can play right back. You know, not necessarily. I think he's better at centre back, actually. Um, ironically, I think someone's put him at right back, and when he's played in the middle for us, he's actually looked a lot better than he has at right back. Um, all right, let's go to what other people have said to us and sent some messages in. Once again, guys, thank you for the overwhelming um, support you guys send in. It really makes the show. We always really appreciate it. Um, Martin Daniels messages in. He goes, a fella called Jack Watmore's looks handy. Well, Martin, you might want to message Danny Cowley that and just let him know. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure he's on it. Cheers, mate, for messaging in. Papa Booba Dave says, with the wage budget where it is, I'd hope for some more quality loans. Hopefully some of the ones we've mentioned already. Um, go to that, mate. Uh, a bit like Lincoln did this year. Morgan Rogers. Well, obviously it's not what we're talking about now, but at the same time, not a bad shout. Finley messages in. He says, looking forward to this. Love the idea of Twine. He's got great potential and could be a real investment for the club. 
Regardless, I think we need younger players who can play for 90 minutes at a high pressure. Gabe Twine, he's not coming to Pompey, is he? <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, I think that with Twine, he's um, certainly been very good in terms of long-range strikes. He had a great spell in the first half of the season at, at Newport and um, again, kind of taken on at Swindon where he's had a decent second half of the season. So um, I think that probably, I'm not quite sure he's ready for the champ. So I wouldn't rule it out if he wants to go somewhere where he's likely to get first in games. Hey, Finley, you might be onto something there, mate. William Bates messages him. This one's actually for you because he's tagged you in it there, Gabe. At Gabe, he says, thoughts on Dan, and he's just trying to do me over here. Dylan Bambula. Yeah, he's um, he's a really uh, exciting player. He um, was part of the France youth setup, So that shows that, you know, this is someone with um, a lot of natural ability, clearly, from his teenage years, things you know, his career hadn't quite gone as he had hoped, and, and obviously that's why he's available as an EFL player now. Um, he's got physical presence about him, but he's generally played kind of wide in the front three, very skillful, um, got an eye for the spectacular. People have mooted him as potentially a move up to the championship. I think a two division jump would be a little bit of a stretch considering he's already at his peak just at the moment and I'm not sure he'd necessarily develop with a, a move straight to the championship. I think in League One he could do some damage. Loftus Inks messages in and he says at left back, oh better, um, when we play Shrewsbury, the youngster danced in front of our defence causing all sorts of problems. Yeah, Ogbetta's uh, a really exciting left uh, wing back. He's um, supposed to be very technical, as you'd expect from someone who initially came through the Man City Academy. And Cruz actually signed him on an 18 month deal in January. So he's going to be out of contract next summer. So there's a possibility they might want to cash in on him. Um, if I'm honest, I would say likelihood is that if someone does take him, it's probably someone from the champ who's got a little bit more in their armoury financially. Um, but what's worth noting about better is that um, there's been suggestions that he's technically so good they could actually move him sort of wide in the midfield three and get him influencing the game more in central areas. So that's what to look out for. So I think he'd be a great signing, whether, it, uh, whether it's within your financial remit, um, I'm not quite sure. Cowley's Cowley's messages in and he's put down a list of released defenders. So I appreciate the uh, the effort gone for that. And also a long list of names, which I'm now going to have to try and try and make sure I get right. Moses Odebarjo. Mm. There you go. What do you think, Gabe? Um, I, I liked him a few years ago when he was at Brentford. Uh, was it Brentford? Yes, it was Brentford. And, uh, and no, it was like, I think it was like an Orient and then he went to Hull. And he's always been, I think, He's always been quite an athletic defender that sort of gets forward with lots of pace and power. And I think more in recent years, injuries and maybe the age perhaps has affected him. And I think that's quite a big part of his all-round appeal. So I'm not quite sure that he's someone that would appeal to me. I certainly don't think he's better than Callum Johnson. And I think even as a left-back or left-back options, there's more up-and-coming appealing options out there. So um, probably for lower wages as well. So probably not one I would go with. I'm just going to read out this list. And what I'm going to do is just pick up on one if you think they're interesting rather sure. than us going for one-to-one. And Fred, jump in as well. Um, Tom Lees, Roshan Williams... Um, DJ um, Osha Larger, Max Clark, Adam Reach. I um, uh, go, go on, Freddy. Uh, with the Sheffield Wednesday players, uh, Tom Lees was highly rated. Um, championship centre half was their captain, I believe. 
um, losing his legs a bit, maybe a League One side would be a decent option. Not 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 the sort of centre the sort of centre half where if he was in your side he would get you promoted, but not long term, and he would probably want quite high ranges as well. Mm. And Adam Reach. <sighs> I see him in so many games where he doesn't do anything, but then scores a spectacular goal, and that's about it. I'm not sure what Gabe thinks about him. Yeah, I think that sort of thing can be unsustainable. I'm again, I wouldn't be too keen on reach. I think with Tom Lees, um, he's not been terrible for Sheffield Wednesday this year. Um, I think the issue is is that historically he's always been a defender that played alongside, played best alongside someone that dominates aerially. And that's okay if he's still mobile, as he was a few years ago. But now, um, I think yeah, this is the issue with him and Odebarger, and maybe reached to an extent, is that because Sheffield Wednesday haven't recruited well, there's players who were good a few years ago are still there now, and probably, ideally, they would have moved them on. So, for me, I'm not sure there's too many players that I'd be rushing to recruit for in Sheffield Wednesday. I do like Andrew Larger, so he's quite an athletic defender, not the tallest, but he's got a very good spring on him. Could be a decent squad player, um, possibly. Anthony Esso messages in. He says, looking forward to listening, lads. Cheers, pal. Appreciate that. Looking at other... Alfredo mentioned Charlie Goo. We've already spoke about him. Shane Ferguson's been released by Millwall. I reckon he could do a solid job at left-back. And George Edmondson could also be an option too on loan. We spoke about him a few seasons ago before he went to, to Rangers, yeah. um, I believe. I don't really know about his availability. I, he, he hasn't played a lot for Rangers, to be honest. Well, he's been on loan at Derby, I think, briefly. I know, I spoke to Chris Stringer, who's an Oldham fan, a couple of years ago, and he said that he actually compared him talent-wise to James Darkowski, who obviously went on playing the Premier League for Burton, and clearly things haven't quite gone right for him over the last two or three years. I don't know whether injuries have played a part in that, but I certainly think he's a talented defender. So, uh, depending on the fitness situation, I wouldn't mind looking at him, I think. I mean, it's someone that Pompey were supposedly interested in before, but obviously Rangers came in and managed to tie that up. So I suppose there could be there could be some sort of link there. I don't know anything about Shane Ferguson particularly there at Millward, if everyone can. So he's a yeah, he's a versatile left-sided player. I'd probably say he's closer to a left wing back. Um, probably not quickest now, although he probably has a decent work rate, but generally prides himself on accurate crosses from deep. Probably not someone that's going to hit the byline too much. Mm, uh, he's quite good. Left-footed each man as well. So those are quite Yeah, he's going to his 30s. And if his, if his focus is on crossing, I don't see how that fully fits the mm. Danny Cowley philosophy when there are other lo- younger left-backs with a bit yeah. less, less pedigree and name value, but could probably do a better job stylistically. But with a good defence, you need a keeper. And with Ports of potentially using, losing Craig McGilvery, mm. I could be one of the best keepers in League One. It's definitely a position that has to be sorted out. When I first saw that McGilvery was probably released, I assumed Alex Bass will take the mantle. Even though his development stalled this season with his two with his two leg injuries, Hugh. I think it was two, because he got one when he went on loan to South End. Exactly. And obviously the last time we saw him was that horrendous performance against Stevenage in the League Cup where he got hooked. But I still rate him. He has a high amount of prevented goals from last season. It was about six in 17 games. Off the top of my head, I need, uh, don't directly quote me on that. And prevented goals is basically basically the amount of goals versus the XG on target. So high, high amount of prevented goals roughly determines how good you are as a shot stopper. So Bass is there, and I have some other names later on if 
Bass isn't chosen as the first team player. No, that's really? a segue. <laughs> no, carry on, Gabe. Well, I was going to say Jack Bonham. I think will be uh, a really good pick. He's uh, he's had a good few seasons in League One. I think he well at uh, Bristol Rovers, maybe Carlisle a few years back, and certainly the last couple of seasons at Gillingham have gone very well for him. So uh, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend Bonham at all. Eleven clean sheets yeah. as well isn't a bad return. I don't think prevented I goals more than that as well the year before. I think mm. prevented goals at two point nine one. Not bad. Uh, that's roughly around where McGilvery ended because at one point, if PNN readers know, McGilvery was the highest in the league for prevented goals at just over nine before Portsmouth went on that horrendous losing streak after that Bristol Rovers game, which we won't mention anymore. Uh, one keeper who was mentioned, and you'll know a bit about him, go Josh Griffiths, who was on loan at Cheltenham, yeah. six for six, West Brom. He might he might want another loan at a higher level, but I look at his prevented goals are in the negative, which which for me is a bit of a worry. Twenty clean sheets though, and <clears> part <throat> of a, a part of a defensive setup at Cheltenham. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that playing playing in the Cheltenham system though, which is a, a fairly solid system. I don't know, I'm no Gabe covers league two more than me, but from from watching it a little bit, they look like a very solid defensive team. So that's, that that yeah. does flag with me. Well, actually, now you mention that, there's a lad called Will Boyle, who's a left-sided centre-back. He's played left in a three. He's probably play in the middle of a three as well. He's a real aerial specialist that's kind of on the end of Bentoza's long throws. And um, I, I feel like he could potentially up to League One. He's really relatively quick for a, for a big lad as well. Um, but yeah, I think because Will Boyle, Bentoza and Charlie Raglan have played together regularly since... February 2019 for the Robins, they're basically drilled in with metronomic precision. So it does become a little bit easier for a goalkeeper, but certainly they've kept a lot of clean sheets this year, which has been pretty crucial to winning the title. And I'll mention two more goalkeepers before we head off. Um, if Portsmouth want to throw the book at a keeper, I don't see them doing this, but Vaclav Haladiki for mm. Salford City, 17.69 prevented goals, which is the highest prevented goals I've seen in any of the divisions, I believe. Yeah, ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. That, that shows. And um, if you want an eye test example, just watch his highlights from the EFL trophy final against Portsmouth. Obviously, McGilvery stole the show in that game. No one's going to do that, Freddie. No one, <laughs> nobody listens to this podcast, I'm guessing, unless they're from a different fans club watching this and this is going to go and watch that game again. Really, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, good point. I, 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 I don't think I'd watch that game back ever again. But Vladikli's highlights from that game was also very good. 23 clean sheets as well, but under contract. One year left. So if, but I don't see it happening, but if Portsmouth want to spend a lot of money on the keeper, I, going I th- I to think, prime at 30, then yeah. that, the other that's, issue the op- is, that's the option out of all of them. Yeah, I get that. I think the other issue you've got to bear in mind, though, is that Salford have that... Uh, Class of 92 packing. Um, so, probably, although, yes, you're right, he, he has got a year left on his contract. I'm not sure that necessarily cashing in on him is massively important at this stage. So, it would take probably a big offer for it to be worth it for Salford. And of mm. course, we've got mm. that. Not sure. Not sure the values there because I'm guessing his wages probably pretty decent as well at, at Salford's. Mm. Maybe an overpay, but I do get from the stats there. Sorry, Fred. Go again, yeah, mate. And the final keeper I mentioned played for Fleetwood, but went to Huddersfield in January. Jason Lutweiler, 
Again, fairly decent prevented goals at 5.56. He made seven clean sheets during his half season at Fleetwood. Was a subkeeper at Huddersfield. You could look at him where, if you want depth for the goalkeeper position, he'll be on a free. I think he was released by Huddersfield as well. You could bring him in, either using him as the subkeeper to cover Mass, or you can start him because Danny Cowley wants an all-round goalkeeper. He doesn't want to. It was reported in the news that he doesn't want just want to focus on shot stopping for a keeper. He wants to keep a command the area and have a high level of distribution as well. Mm. It feels so, if I'm not mistaken, Jason Leakbiler, since leaving Shrewsbury, hasn't played an awful lot over the last few years. And that would be a bit of a concern for me. Because mm. He only played 17 games for Fleetwood before going to Huddersfield as a subkeeper. Right, OK. Um, yeah, I mean, from what you've said about Alex Bass, I'd be a little bit worried about really handing him the keys to the goalkeeping jersey after an injury interrupted year. He's still probably on the younger side as well. So I think I would probably be inclined to go a bit bigger on, on the goalkeeper because that's such an important area, especially from what um, Danny Cowley described as focusing on more than shop stopping. So just to round it off, I'm just going to shoot it over to you guys. You mentioned a lot of names here, but I'm going to say to you, just very quickly, if you could sign two, maybe three, we'll give you a stretch because I know we've had a few players here in the defence and we'll we'll leave the goalkeeping for a second because that's really quite a tough one. Unless you want to mention one in particular you think we should go for. But Fred, I'm going to fire to you quickly. We've got three players in the defence. Who are you going to get if you're Danny Cowley? Oof, out of all the names we mentioned, it's going to be very tough. In terms of centre-half, I think you've got to go with the pedigree and go with Charlie Good. Yes, he hasn't played a lot recently for, for Brentford, but he's the sort of centre-half to come in and just stabilise that back four while having that quality to play the ball out for the back a tiny bit with a range of passing. So at centre-half, I'd go for Good and the other centre-half I'd go for because I think centre-half is the mo- one of the most important positions that Portsmouth who needs to get it right. I like Jerome Apoku because of the versatility. You could play him in the back three as an overlapping centre-half or you could play at centre-half or left-back. So that gives Portsmouth a lot of options and on a free as well. That uh, that tips the scales for me. And one more at full-back. This is a tough one because you could either go for the high-potential full-back or you can go for a straight-up replacement for Lee Brown which I think Portsmouth need, I would go for Ibu Torre on that regard. But I'll throw Jack Armour in as well as the uh, as the key young player out of all of them. I'll, um, I'll go against his instructions and I will suggest a goalkeeper because I think that's quite an important area. I'll go with uh, Jack Bonham and Shirova Nice. And I was going to go... I mean... I- I, I like Toure at left back. I think it's a good shout. Um, I'll, I'll throw I'll show throw Sparks in there just because why not? We'll just have have a bit of interestingness because I think that maybe we look at someone like Coulson as being a bit too attacking and not being able to fill into that spot as easily. Unless Tanny Cowley's got a very specific way he wants him to play. Um, Apoku, I think is is it would be a great signing for Portsmouth. I think that's um, um you know I've, yeah we've spoke about that reasons why but again I still think I'm going to go back to the first player I started with as well I think for Mayo would be a pretty good 
defender. He's you know he's defensively decent. He can pass the ball out. I'm um, still fairly young as well. I, I think he'd be a really good player to for, for the the way that Danny Cowley now wants to start playing from playing the ball out a bit from the back. So, um, so I'll chuck for Mayo in there as well. All right, Freddie. As always, it's great sitting here with chatting with you. Always a pleasure here. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope the listeners got a lot out of it because we went for a lot of names, a lot of spitballing for potential players. It's going to be really exciting what's what's happening at Fratton Park over the next three weeks. Yeah. And Gabe, mate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you. Oh, that's my pleasure here. Really appreciate it. Come on. Um, if anyone fancies more EFL chat, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabso. Yeah, and do you want to plug anything else, mate? I was going to give you that straight away. Anything else you want to? Do you want to oh, plug? What, are you, what are you? What are you up to at the moment, anyway? Uh, so I'm. I'm. I've also. I've already got a um a thread on sort of free agency in the EFL and kind of matching players with clubs potentially and all that kind of thing. And I'm building towards hopefully a season preview, which will be extensive and covering all seventy two clubs and making those predictions, which will be out in a couple of months. So really excited about that as well. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Next week, we will be back. We'll be talking midfielders and attackers. But until next time, play out Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.